Blog Talk Radio. This is Firefighter Raphael Poirier reminding you that every day a portion of every Firehouse Subs purchase goes towards helping first responders. Try the new pastrami Reuben, loaded with hot pastrami, sweet and tangy slaw, and melted Swiss. For a limited time, get a medium pastrami Reuben for just $6.39. Firehouse Subs, enjoy more subs, save more lives. Limited time offer at participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews. We're for over 11 years now. We've been asking the franchisees one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. We have a great show today. Meeting with Kevin Hasu, the co-founder and CMO of Pokeworks. Founded in 2016, Pokeworks is the nation's largest and fastest-growing Poke brand in North America. Nearly 20 locations open and more than 100 under development. The brand provides a fresh take on a Hawaiian-inspired poke burritos and bowls, the highest quality ingredients local water. We're going to talk to Kevin about that in just a moment. I'm franchise Stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Kevin Hsu, the co-founder and CMO of Pokeworks. Founded in 2015, Pokeworks is the nation's largest and fastest-growing Poke brand in North America with nearly 20 locations open and more than 100 under development. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Marty. How's it going? It's going well, Kevin. Thanks for coming on the show. You always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from today, Kevin? Uh, I'm based out in San Francisco myself, so I work uh, remotely, but I do a lot of travels back and forth uh, to stores, but also to our headquarter office in Irvine. Wow, that's fantastic. I guess, And I guess, do you ever get to go to Hawaii, Kevin, or...? <laughs> Um, it's been a while, but, you know, part of our origin story kind of, uh, started in Hawaii. So yeah, that's, that was, I will say it's probably the last time we were there. That's fantastic. You know, maybe you could walk us through the Pokeworks concept, uh, you know, and how it originated, Kevin. I thought it was a great story. Oh, great. Yeah. So, uh, for, for Pokeworks, we, uh, originally in 2015, um, mm-hmm. it kind of started as just a notion as we were opening another restaurant and it was when, um, Two brothers, uh, that's also the co-founders, uh, one of which is the CEO, Mike Wu, and uh, Peter Yang. Uh, which they're both brothers. And they they were traveling to Hawaii to be able to open a, another restaurant concept over at Honolulu. Right. Uh, myself and uh, Casper Shu, we're, we're essentially brothers, but we're cousins, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, okay. We we all are good friends, so we we all traveled together to there. Um, they spent a longer time there, but we were spending time together there while we were exploring different foods. We every time we travel, we love. That's the first priority for us is just to see how the food is in that area because that right. for us it represents culture. Um, and right. uh, we want to kind of explore what types of foods are out in Hawaii. And while we're out there, you know, for extensive period of time for Peter and Mike, uh, they. They found poke to be um, partly the the more um, not only flavorful uh, but also mm-hmm. savory, uh, but also healthy over time. And you know, uh, alongside other Hawaiian foods uh, being uh, just as good, uh, we found poke to be something that could be mixed and matched in different ways. So, um, you know, f- the first discovery of poke for me was over at Foodland, uh, which is a local grocery chain that has. Um, poke served up in deli trays and what right. we'll do is we'll we'll bring back like a couple of half pints and pints of different flavors and even the poke in hawaii are the traditional hawaiian but also mix of other korean and as well as uh, asian inspired flavors as well so for there uh we we brought back home we could put can put on a bed of sushi rice a bed of uh, right. of uh, greens and as well as just eat it with chips as well so from there you know, wow. we, we kind of explored making poke a little bit ourselves because we were so intrigued about it. Um, but uh, from there, it, we, we after we left Hawaii, it was kind of just um, sort of a hobby, something that we just played around mm-hmm. with. But when we came back to the U.S., uh, we, we just we were trying to find poke somewhere, but we just couldn't find it anywhere. So it, it will sometimes be in the appetizer section of a menu of a, a sit-down restaurant um, right. or like a poke stack. But... From there, we we then started thinking, well, this is a great you know cuisine that we we can potentially see how uh, you know how how Hawaii calls it, but the mainland right. will respond to poke, uh, poke in general. I mean, those that travel to Hawaii are familiar with it; those that haven't, maybe yeah. fairly new to it. 
but also we right. we had the notion that you know there's quite a bit of a sushi um, you know adoption in in the U.S. So it kind of hugs mm-hmm. close to together in that sense. So from there we we started conceptually start working with some flavors of our own, uh, some combinations of how poke can be mixed together, and that kind of started in early 2015, uh, actually out of uh, Peter's garage in Irvine. <laughs> you wow. say garage, but it's fairly close to the kitchen, so everything was sanitary <laughs> at that point. But uh, we want to kind of really test through a lot of different ingredients, uh, different types of veg- vegetables and the mix-ins. And R&D, the, the concepts are quite a bit more to a point where we had a full menu in place. We have initial idea what the operations would be. And part of that is also the delivery. So one thing that we start noticing a trend within um, sort of the restaurant industry is more towards mm-hmm. fast casual and more towards build yeah. your own as well. Right. So part of this concept, it seems something we can also um, put together as something that can be delivered in that manner. So we, we started tossing around some words and one of the things that came up was pokier way. And that then becomes a trademark and sort of the, um, sort of the, mission statement around the the way that we want to deliver food to the customer, which is mm-hmm. be able to enable the customer to be able to be creative with every bowl or burrito or salad that they, they eat within Pokeworks. Uh, usually in the beginning, they will pick one of our signature works or to, to get started, but usually we see the customers start um, kind of coming into their own creation, wanting more specifically one ingredient versus the other, one flavor or right. mix of flavors together. So that that is something that, you know, we had a, a sort of an initial concept, I thought, but it's, it's great to see today uh, being um, in each of our stores um, as something that customers will come back time and time again for. So from there... Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, oh, yeah, I want to keep okay. on going. I, no, it's, I'm sorry because no, it's it's such a it's such a great story, you know, as 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 you're telling it, Kevin. You know, I mean, what's what's been the response, um, you know, up to this point, Kevin? You know, because I know you've opened it to like about like 20 plus, you know, restaurants. You know, what's been the customer feedback or response uh, up to this point? Uh, well, I will say, um, you know. I'll kind of go in more chronological order. So mm-hmm. we, sure. we we opened our first store in uh, dead of, uh, I would say in the middle of winter in Midtown New York, and that was mm-hmm. kind of the most ironic place to open a poke place. <laughs> uh, that's more of a summertime uh, type of food. But um, you know, partly with that, uh, people were intrigued because uh, one, yes. um, you know, they're, again, what I was mentioned before, they're familiar with sushi, but you know, poke in a sense kind of uh, serves um, sort of the raw fish and the flavors of Asian mm-hmm. Asian flavors in a different way. So as as we opened into New York, that was an example of how we had to uh, kind of go through a little bit of education with um, with uh, the diners and the guests that came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that, um, you know, after the first time, they, they saw it as something that is either sort of a combination of different flavors that they've never had before, or it's something that they felt that is a good option for them to eat, uh, whether it's lunch or dinner, that's a little bit more right. on a healthier side as well. So, so with that, um, you know, we started seeing in the beginning where it was just a more of a slower beginning, but then quickly it started escalating into a line door. And then from there, wow. a line that kind of continues to be a one or two hour wait uh, in a sense. So, wow. so within our, our time in uh, the first location, 
was really a lot of catch up and making sure that we can get the operations to be a very efficient uh, throughput in terms of mm-hmm. customer experience. Because most importantly is that we don't want to leave the customer waiting uh, too long uh, due to inefficiencies right. in our stores. So every day we were just looking at what little thing we can still squeeze out of uh, the operational line to be able to make mm-hmm. it much more efficient. Right. The evolution of that today is something that we're able to get uh, a very strong throughput. I think the most record throughput for us was uh, half a minute for, for a customer to go from the beginning to the end of the line. So we have very wow. high volume areas, but uh, also other areas that's a little bit more spread out through through the day as well. Reminds me of the McDonald's story. In some ways, you know, when McDonald's first started out, of course, you know, they had a similar situation, you know, where it took them a while to, um, you know, streamline the process, you know, and make it more efficient and quick, you know, and once they got it down to that yeah. point, you know, where they were able to, you know, uh, you know, pump out, you know, burgers in like 30 seconds, you know, then they realized, or Ray Kroc even realized, you know, that they had something, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, and New York seems like, you know, it was inter- I was thinking about that too, Kevin, you know, when I first said New York, I said, hmm, that, that's kind of interesting. But, I, I you know, I, I worked in New York for years, you know, and, and I imagine it would, the cities would probably be a great location. You know, I was thinking, you know, San Francisco, Chicago, uh, you know, New York, a lot of Boston, places like that, you know, is, are those the areas you're kind of targeting up to this point, would you say? Yeah, so for us, uh, we've kind of originally had the goal to be able to bring, um, you know, Poke and Pokeworks over to um, at least the major markets across the U.S. So the second location that we set up was over in Mountain View, which is in the Bay Area. Uh, Third location in Irvine, which then uh, became closer to our headquarters that we set up as well. Uh, Fourth being uh, Seattle. So we, we were kind of um, incrementing into each of the major markets. And today we have uh, about 12 locations. There are corporate locations okay. uh, that wow. we've uh, kind of entered into some of the major markets today. But from there, we, um, you know, started focusing also on the as- aspect of where we can expand through uh, a franchise system. So so with that, we have uh, kind of built up some partnerships uh, with uh, with key players in the franchise industry to really help us really put together a structure that would uh, would be scalable, essentially, not only from a development right. standpoint, but also from a support standpoint. So uh, we've been working on that for the past two years, um, and that, that really mm-hmm. has really shown through uh, at this point where we have currently about seven franchise locations uh, that are oh. operating and being very successful. And then uh, this year we're we're going we're slated for 27 store openings. That is uh, wow. addi- in addition to the count that we have so far. Uh, so we're we're definitely on a trajectory that we um, we are very fortunate to be in, and a lot of that yes. is attributed uh, to the uh, sort of the sort of responses and the love that we've been getting from the the customers and the markets out there. That's fantastic. It's nice having those corporate locations too, I imagine, Kevin, you know, because of course it does keep you close, you know, you know what's going on within your organization, you know, in addition to, you know, working with the franchisees, you know, so I I think that's, that's fantastic. What are some of your favorites? I mean, when you go into a Pokeworks, Kevin, I mean, what would you, you know, if if you and I were in there right now, what would you order or what would you recommend I order? (laughs) 
Yeah, no, my my guilty pleasures are usually like the Pokeworks Classic or the Spicy Ahi, just because they're so good. I mean, I I feel yeah. like um, those ones, um, the flavors always kind of captures what I need. Like for the Pokeworks Classic, we we have our own sauce that is fairly unique because you can essentially apply that sauce whether it's in poke, whether it's in salad, or other types of uh, applications. But within that, it kind of gives you a little bit of um, vinaigrette type of feel right. uh, that's both right. sweet and savory um, but if you want for for me I, I love also like a, a spicy aioli I love sriracha so spicy mm. aioli has yeah. that element for me and uh, being able to have that either by itself or we also have uh, some secret menu items where you can kind of uh, combine where uh, the sriracha aioli wow. can be topped on top of another sauce so those type of things, uh, you know, I, I, that's my go-to. But, you know, that's why we have about uh, nine different flavors to be able to uh, allow yeah. the customer to have different sort of uh, flavor. Uh, and that, that's typically right. something that we ask the customers that, what, what do you like? Do you like something more sweet, something more savory, something spicy? And right. we kind of help, right. cu- help the customer out to be able to kind of pinpoint what's a good starter. And, and that's where it, it begins. The customer will then start being intrigued with other flavors. And we give samples out in that sense to, for them to try oh, other wow. flavors as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. I remember when I used to work in New York, Kevin, you know, and I, I would always, you know, grab a hot dog or two hot dogs, you know, and I'd always go back to lunch after lunch tired, you know, and I said, yeah, wow. I said, this is such a great, you know, healthy alternative. You know, it has a seaweed in there. It's just, it's good for you. So you're not tired after lunch or, you know, even, even dinner. So I think it's fantastic. Um, so what makes Pokeworks an attractive business opportunity to potential franchisees, Kevin? The majority of our listeners, we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. You know, most of them seem to want to go into franchising. They have that idea in their head. Um, you know, how do you typically respond to that question? Usually it's uh, it's essentially two two elements. Like for us, uh, we, we talk about more Pokeworks as a brand and how it stands right. out from other uh, fast casual concepts, but also how it becomes a more of an opportunity for our franchisees. As a brand itself, we, we focus a lot, and that's that's kind of where we stand out is in the sense that we, we always view um, Pokeworks as a brand that's here for the long term. So we do a lot of investments as well as a lot of, uh, outreach to be able to make sure that we can establish ourselves as a brand uh, for that long term as well. So one one right. case of that is that we we've worked with a couple of chef collaborators, but one one in the more aforementioned is uh, chef uh, or top chef Sheldon Simeon, uh, which uh, we collaborate with uh, to be able to kind of launch some of um, uh, some of his signature works into our stores right. as well. And uh, it, it came about as something that we we have very similar thoughts and uh, passion in terms of food, but also with uh, what we believe in in terms of you know culture that we need to be able to establish as sustainable eating, sustainable living type of situation. Mm-hmm. So for us, we want to also align with also how we source our food. So a lot of our focus in terms of the quality of fish and as well as ingredients that we bring on uh, has to really abide by certain certifications within each of our sourcing. So one of which is like a marine stewardship uh, council is one that we have certified as a fish to eat and as well as uh, different aquaculture stewardship councils and certifications that goes alongside that, that we need to make sure that each time we go into a new market for us as a corporate side, we also make sure that sourcing is aligned with what we need to keep it at so that each of our stores have 
a consistency across um, yes. in, in terms of not only the flavor side, but also how it's being sourced as well. So for us, it really is around keeping um, sort of, you know, the company of people that we work with and as well as people that partner with uh, in, in along the same sort of mission values that we, we uh, believe in as well. But um, in terms of uh, opportunity itself, you know, we've, we've set ourselves out to really be the one, the leading, if not the only uh, Poke concept to really expand into uh, so many different markets and uh, one of the fastest growing in that segment as well. So for us, uh, we, we see that as essentially a strong brand that's going into these markets to be able mm -hmm. to help um, put a good presence, uh, especially in their new markets or existing markets, into play for, for either ourselves or the franchisee. A lot of it as well, uh, what we have seen, and as well as uh, structure for the franchisee is a really strong revenue generating stream uh, around not only aspects that are dine-in, but, you know, we oriented the menu to be, you know, something that is easy for delivery as well as grab and go and catering. So there's definitely mm. different avenues for multiple revenue streams that can be generated uh, when opening a store. So it's not, you know, for other concepts, maybe just purely a, a good concept for dine-in, but not so much right. for delivery, et cetera. This has been something that we've been able to see where it's been um, being able to, to be delivered in different sort of avenues and conventions that has been able to stay well with, uh, with the experience in the end for, for the customer. So for us, we, we've been able to see, you know, additional revenues kind of build up from there, from what the days of when we just started with just dine-in to the point that we right. have uh, multiple revenue streams to even grow our business even further. Um, you know, from, from how we um, kind of start with the franchisee in the beginning is also an advantage in itself, but all the way up to the beginning where you're looking for a um, a space for you to open up a Pokeworks because for us uh, being in the restaurant industry, we don't require as much uh, intensive equipment in the back. Mm -hmm. And as well as space right. size, we've worked with a range of, for instance, New York story is that the first store was at like 700 square feet and wow. that was, uh, or 800 square feet, but then 600 was the main floor, but there's a right, 200 right. that was the bottom floor. So you can imagine how tight of a squeeze that space of was course, uh, right. to be able to run an operation of, um, you know, uh, lunchtime of 100 bowls an hour. So that, that type of uh, traffic that go, going to such a small space. But we, we kind of go from there to say that it can go from something as small as that to something uh, typically, you know, our restaurant doesn't go beyond 2,000, if not 2,500 mm -hmm. square feet. Um, wow. And a lot of that has to do with kind of the concept itself. So in areas that are smaller, uh, usually are in a very uh, central and CBD area, very high traffic type of lunch crowd, whereas larger locations may be more of a sit down nights and weekends type of place. So, so for us, it has that variability of the space size, but um, as well as um, the requirements. So one thing that, um, you know, more in the restaurant industry is that you, in, in our concept, it doesn't require a hood. And that, that's kind of very important, as well as deep frying as well. Mm -hmm. in, those, in those two elements, you're not requiring to go into um, something that's zoned for like purely food then at that point. You, you're, you're then able to get into much more uh, optimal and, uh, and key locations at that point. 
um, and at a cost that may not be the same as uh, a purely restaurant location. So, so those type of aspects uh, provides franchisees better uh, flexibility in terms of when looking for ideal locations to, to be able to plant ground in. That's great. Do you have a feel for who your customers are, Kevin, you know, like when they're coming into the store? And I guess I imagine at different times of the day, it, it, it's different customers. But, I mean, who would you say, you know, are, are your customers coming into Pokeworks? So for most most cases, um, it has been more the millennial crowd uh, just because, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with our type of food, it's fairly um, – a fairly new category and uh, right, especially right. with the foodies out there and as well as um, just folks, uh, people that, you know, really will have a phone in their hand and uh, ready sure. to share through social media. Our type of food is a very shareable type of food because of all the colors and the, and yeah. the and sort of variety of how it's being shown. So, so from there, we, we find that, especially in the beginning when we just started, is that we find that our, our brand and as well as our food has been shared across social media quite in a viral mm-hmm. nature. So, so just speaking in point, one of the things that kind of kicked off was uh, in 2016, Jan- January, there was a viral video that went off from uh, Insider Food, Business Insider Food, that just came in oh, wow. essentially like ninjas and uh, filmed our sushi burrito as it's uh, being... Uh, being built our poke burrito uh, wow. excuse me but uh from from there um it, it launched into a 49 i believe 50 million views on on wow. facebook that's and um that's when we started seeing um just uh so many people kind of talking about this uh about us about uh the poke burrito in that nature and that that's kind of where we uh, really saw the uptick in terms of uh, where, where things have lifted off. And for us, um, you know, we, we also see in some areas uh, more um, above 45. So there's definitely a lot of mm-hmm. families that does come in the more residential areas. So it definitely has shown this diversity and in, in types of, uh, you know, age groups and as well as whether you're, you're someone eat, coming in to eat uh, by yourself or within groups and families, those we've seen variability in that. That really kind of attributes more to uh, some of the locations and where, where it's situated. Right, right. That would make sense. That's a great story on the social media, though. It's just, it's incredible, isn't it? How it just goes viral sometimes, you know, and then and, and yeah, you realize you know you have something. That's incredible. Yeah, it's something that uh, it's difficult to plan, but uh, it's it's, yes. it's great when it, it does happen. Yep. That's fantastic. So what do you look for, uh, Kevin, I, or, you know, you and your team, you know, as far as like the qualities or, you know, potential traits in your franchisees, do you look for any specific traits? Yeah, most importantly, we when we evaluate uh, franchisees, and we, we do have a, sort of a aspect that we go through to um, mm-hmm. evaluate and then question what, how, how much of a good fit that we have between uh, our brand and franchisees is, is to say that we, we're not to say that it's not qualified. It's just more so that we want to make sure that it's right for the franchisee as much as right. they're right for us. So, so for, for this, we, we really look for, you know, as a fundamental sense, um, those that are similar minded as us, you know, Gain to a franchisee business is something that you're, they themselves is entrepreneurial in themselves, entrepreneur in themselves. Right. So, 
right. for, for someone that we're looking for is some kind of sharing that same type of uh, ambition and, and vision. Um, and as well as for us, we have uh, our culture and our passions in terms of where we are in terms of not only poke, but in the food industry. So those that kind of shares that, uh, you know, are kind of the bonus points that comes along with that. Right. But, uh, you know, the, the more ideal candidates that we have that does come along are those that have experience in the food and beverage industry. And right. uh, for, for those cases, that's where we've seen where where it kind of varies between either someone that is interested in multi-unit, single units, or even mm-hmm. master franchise partnerships as well. Wow, that's fantastic. So what are the immediate growth um, and development plans, Kevin, for uh, you know, Pokeworks? Are there any specific markets that you are looking to immediately target uh, for the brand? So for us, uh, we're, we're continuing to uh, observe what major markets that we can continue to grow into, you know, some of the major ones that, you know, that is in addition to uh, locations that we have already outlined already is uh, trying to see how we can expand into, for instance, Florida, Texas, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as continue to expand in our uh, existing major markets, such as New York, Chicago, and Boston. But sure. for us right now, in the in the rest of this year, we, we already have locations that are coming up in Texas. That's in addition to the ones we already have in Houston, in Dallas, mm-hmm. in uh, San Antonio, uh, in El Paso as well. And uh, going to Florida, there's Tampa, Orlando, and Miami. But besides that, uh, we're, we're getting into areas such as New Orleans, uh, North Carolina, um, yeah. Tennessee. So it, you can definitely see where we're getting into markets that are fairly new in terms of poke concepts in general. And for us going into those markets is something we, we have set more strategically to make sure that, you know, we, we can be able to build, build our brand even further into other areas across the U S and as well as uh, for us, we have a location in Vancouver, uh, mm-hmm. that, which is our first location international, but we're, we're definitely in the process of developing into further markets that are outside the U.S. as well, especially into Europe and Asia. Yeah, I imagine, you know, as, as the brand specifically grows, you know, and, and you attend franchise shows and things like that, you're going to get a lot of, you know, international requests for, for you know, Pokey. Um, works as well, so I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, what's the what's the typical investment to open a PokeWorks, Kevin? So for for us, a typical franchise fee is uh, thirty five thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, and then with a single unit investment, it typically averages around three hundred fifty k. Yeah, great, and that's, that, that's typically the start. We we help kind of work through keeping the franchisee within a target budget. Uh, right. Because from the very beginning, as we onboard a franchisee, we have a dedicated team really working with that franchisee on a weekly basis, if not more frequent than that, to be able to right. help them get, get them aligned with the partners that we have, uh, both from a real estate, from a development, from a design standpoint, um, to be able to make sure that certain key things are kept within line. You know, oftentimes these development projects may get online if you don't have the proper management in place. So we, we treat uh, every location as a franchisee location as if it's our own. Uh, 
because uh, it right. represents our brand out there, especially into new markets as well. So we put especially even more attention towards the new market uh, uh, stores that's going out there. So within that, um, you know, these these numbers, we we try we make sure that it's very much on target, and uh, and making sure that for the franchisee, we're not getting into any any sort of variability off of that. That's terrific. What's the training like, Kevin? I mean, you know, once you decide, you know, you do indeed like them, you know, they like you and they want to come on board as a franchisee. I mean, do they, they come to headquarters? Is that how it would work? Yep, absolutely. So uh, we have a whole sort of a timeline that counts down to the day that you're going to open. Mm-hmm. And it just gets it gets closer and closer and gets more exciting once you get to that point. Right. Um, but what we look for is, um, you know, where in the timeline that makes the most sense for them to um, to attend training. Uh, right. And that, that typically is a couple months out from the opening itself. And t- training itself, um, we have uh, put it towards a 12-day training. Uh, process, mm-hmm. and that usually involves not only the franchisee, but also they're able to bring in, for instance, their general manager along with them. And then oh, what wow. we'll run them through is uh, the entire operation, and as well as back office aspects, administration, marketing strategies, etc. So, end to end, in terms of how how you'll be able to ef- effectively run your store. That's great. What. You've been doing this for a while now, Kevin, so you've been dealing with franchisees, you know, and and you're kind of like in that franchise mode. And, you know, a lot of our listeners, I was mentioning to you in the beginning, they're they're kind of like new to franchising. You know, they have this idea that they want to get into franchising, but most of them don't even know where to begin. From everything you've learned up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to, to, to buy a franchise or look for a franchise? Yeah, so uh, for us, you know, we, we do get we, we've attended, uh, for instance, uh, franchise conventions as well, uh, mm-hmm. where we, you know, talk one-on-one with a lot of franchisees, just like you described, Marty, in terms of those that are very experienced and those that are not yeah. as much, but very interested in it. And, um, you know, a good starting point that I always, we always try to advise them is just first go visit one of our stores. <laughs> and that's, right. that's where you'll be able to get the experience of what it yeah. means to be in Pokeworks. And, that's the first qualifier. If you feel that you yeah. love it as a, as a brand, as a food, that's that's kind of where you want to kind of get your interest started from there. And for us, we're starting to get into uh, so many different markets that it becomes much more convenient for someone to sure. be able to visit a local store. But second from that is to really see where um, where you you believe in the brand and such. And and that that's kind of mm-hmm. whether it's our brand or any other brands is that right. we we kind of put ourselves out there in terms of what we stand for and what what we believe in terms of what Pokeworks means to a customer. If that that's something that from from you as a franchisee believe in as well, then you're in the right spot. I mean for for us we we see people that are interested because they want to get into sort of a, a business from an entrepreneurial route, but Right. Part of it is that the the part about you know structures, operations, and as well as marketing and brand is something that may take more support to to be able to get up and going. So that's kind of where where as a franchise business is there to help uh, potential investors or partners uh, f- towards this route. So that's kind of where we we see you know as long mm-hmm. as the franchisee sees where the value. Uh, of Pokeworks, whether it's Pokeworks or other franchising, 
uh, businesses, uh, then then that's where it kind of begins from there. And the rest of it is something that then for us, we, we kind of help outline and support you all the way through at that point. That's terrific. I think that's great advice. So what's the best way for our listeners, Kevin, to get more information on, on Pokeworks? Are there any like websites they can go to or any numbers you'd like them to call? Yeah, probably the best place is our website. Uh, we have a okay. franchise section uh, on our website, so that's uh, www.pokeworks.com slash franchise. And then from there, um, once you kind of go through the information from there uh, and you want to reach out to us, there's actually a, a form there that you can, it's it's not one of those lengthy forms that has a million fields, right. but at least it, it would just kind of have some some aspects within there that will kind of give you some parameter, uh, us some parameters so that we can understand where you're coming from. So, so once you fill out that form, uh, we'll then reach out to you and then be able to kind of start discussions from there. That's fantastic. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you today, Kevin. I'd like to invite you back as Pokeworks continues to grow. And I can't wait to come out to this way, like this Eastern Pennsylvania or Philadelphia area, you know, because this, this, you know, sounds like it's right up my alley, you know. So I'm really looking oh, yes. forward to. That, growth, that is you know, coming so soon, actually. Yeah, I, I myself uh, I lived in Philadelphia myself, so I did. Okay, I, I love that. Know, that would be a great area for Pokeworks, I think. You know, I get to Philly exactly, yeah. every so often, you know, and I just say, "Wow, it'd be a great location," you know, for a Pokeworks. So <laughs> it's been really great talking to you, Kevin. And uh, again, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. No, that sounds good. Thank you very much, Mari. My pleasure, Kevin. We'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand, the opportunity to take control of your future, and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach. Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top-performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal. Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily and it is delicious. You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? 
For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, where each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting Franchise Interviews many years now. In fact, this year is going to be our 10th year and 500th show, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. One of my habits since hosting Franchise Interviews is I pick out one show to listen to every single day, and that's the great thing about a podcast is you can go back and listen to uh, the old shows from, like, nine years ago, five years ago, or even yesterday. And, you know, I always find something interesting for our Great Quotes and Franchising podcast. And most recently, I was listening to an interview that we did a couple years ago with uh, Craig Slavin, who is a, well, at the time, he was a 45-year veteran to franchising and just full of knowledge. And he had this wonderful quote. He said, just because you can afford the airplane doesn't mean you should be the pilot, and he explains why and how this all pertains to franchising. So here we go with Craig Slavin of Franchise Navigator. With so many concepts, this is where your your service comes in. When I was reading about your background, Craig, it, it sounds like you certainly discovered a need in the market. Um, it, it's as you were saying earlier, it's it's a nightmare for the franchisor and the franchisee to both get involved with each other if if it's not going to work out. So. You created this this interesting concept called Connect Me. It kind of segues into my next question. With so many different franchise concepts, how does somebody who's interested in getting into franchise, how do they select the right one? Well, that's a great question. And um, my favorite expression is just because somebody can afford the airplane doesn't mean they're qualified to be the pilot. Wow, that's great. So, I don't have to use that on the show. <laughs> my pleasure, by by all means. And what 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 I found was that people bought franchises for the wrong reasons. And, and what gave me that insight was really two things. One, when I was asked to provide expert testimony, litigation support when there's conflict, and I would listen to both parties. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like that that song, everybody's right, everybody's wrong. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it, you know, there is no right, there is no wrong. There's three right. sides to every story. And then what happened was, it was really a very interesting aha. Having been a franchisor, having sold franchises myself and consulted to hundreds of companies, we'd always scratch our heads and wonder after we we sold a franchise, you know, is this going to be a good fit? How are we going to know if this person's a good fit for this model? And you generally don't know until after the fact. And after the fact, if it's not a good fit, it's not a good thing. So we looked at whether or not we could be predictive in the recruitment and the selection and the awarding of franchises 
to people because it's sort of like walking into the vegetable section of the uh, of the grocery store. You don't have just onions. You don't have just mm-hmm. potatoes. You've got a wide range, a wide variety to choose from, and the same thing is true about people and human nature. Everybody has their own value system. They have their own strengths, their own weaknesses, skills, behavior. So we looked at how can we be predictive? And I assembled in the late 80s a team of industrial, clinical, organizational, and behavioral psychologists, along with some key franchising executives. And we looked at what is it we're looking for and how can we find it and whether or not there's a tool out there that we could use to measure the skills, the values, the behavior, entrepreneurship, leadership. And the fact of the matter is, in real-life situations, we, we utilized some of these tools. And the tools were great tools, but they were generally designed to recruit employees and right. determine whether or not somebody in one cubicle is going to get along with everybody else in the 38 other cubicles surrounding them. It had very little, if any, application to managing, running, and executing a business model. So we developed our own tool, and that tool is called Franchise Navigator. It's a skills, values, and behavioral assessment tool. It takes, now that it's online, it takes approximately eight minutes to complete. And what it does is it actually identifies the skills of a of the particular individual, what their value system is, because that's the basis for making decisions, what their behavior is, how they're going to function in a leadership capacity, in operational efficiencies, customer service, people development, delegation, time management. And we now have approximately 150 franchise organizations where we've gone in and we've actually benchmarked their existing franchise operators, and then these companies using their own performance metrics identify if they're a high performer, a mid performer, or a poor performer. We have a team of independent statisticians that then do an entire statistical analysis of the data, and from that, we're able to create a high performer profile for either single unit or multi unit for each of these companies that indicates on a scale of 0 to 100% in four different dimensions where the high performers score, where they fall. All inbound candidates, new candidates, are given the same assessment tool, and within two seconds, an email is sent to the franchisor that graphically, in color and through a chart, identifies the individual, how they compare to the high-performer profile, and whether or not they're a strong candidate, an acceptable candidate, or a poor candidate for that particular franchise. So it goes beyond criteria of money, location, and industry preference, and it actually goes into can this person execute the business model, be the extension of the brand in that particular market, and is a good fit. Well, Marty, a lot of work has gone into this. 
<laughs> oh, a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot of money. Yes. We're getting ready to launch version 8, uh, which wow. we're going to release at the IFA convention coming up uh, in a month. And Great. it's going to give us even greater detail and insights into an individual on a predictive basis. We even know how these profiles respond, how individuals respond during various stages of the process of becoming and then once they are a franchisee so that we can train the franchisors that it's not about the products. It's not about the locations. Uh It's about the people. The strength of market share comes from not how good the product is but how strong the people are who are delivering it. So what happened with Connect Me was we realized we have information that nobody else on the planet does. We know who these companies are looking for. We know the geographic area. We know the liquid capital requirements. So we reversed the process, and we created Connect Me, which is sort of like the Match.com, the eHarmony mm-hmm. of buying a franchise. We offer it for free. People can take the survey. interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.